Listeners, welcome back to Heart and Soul Gospel Ministries Unity in Christ program. If this is your first time listening, my name is Christine Kim, and I'm the host of this program. Have you all purchased an item and had to return it before? I recently purchased a piece of clothing, but had to return the item to get a refund. I bought it with my debit card, so within about three business days, I was expecting the funds to come back into my account. But almost a month passed by and the funds still had not been refunded. I went to the store and spoke to one of the employees there, but they kept giving me excuses and promised me that the return has been completed and that the refund should be coming in shortly. It made me upset that such an easily fixed issue made me go through this much work. The employees at the store didn't seem like they were very willing to help me, but to make false promises that the refund would be processed, just to get me out of the door. I came home and was still upset about the situation and thought about whether I should call the corporation to put in a complaint or not. I went online to see if there was anywhere I could post a complaint, but then I sat down for a second and thought about how embarrassing myself was. I couldn't hold in my anger for such a small situation like this and couldn't find anywhere in me a Christian-like image. There is still left of me my old and evil self and seeing this puts me in despair. Then a few nights ago, as I was reading the book of Galatians, in chapter 5 verse 20, it says in there, Outbursts of anger, which pounded against my heart. Apostle Paul was in the middle of explaining what the difference was between following your sinful natures and following the Holy Spirit. We'll come back to share more after our first song. Unending love 
Apostle Paul tells us there is a clear distinction between someone who follows the desires of their own sinful nature versus someone who follows the Holy Spirit. It is told to us very specifically in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21, of someone who follows their own sinful nature. It says, Now the works of the flesh are evident sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, I warn you, as I warn you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. However, in contrast, what are the characteristics of someone who follow the Spirit? Paul tells us in the following verses, verses 22 and 23, that they will bear the nine fruits of the Spirit. And it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Reflecting upon my life, I think about the spiritual fruits that I am producing. Or am I bearing more sinful fruits? I feel like I am filled by the Holy Spirit, but in an instance, I am filled with anger over the littlest things, 
Sometimes I feel hopeless because I feel these sinful natures of mine will never leave me till the day I die. How can I be free from this? Paul gives us a very clear answer in verses 16 through 18. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Paul knew that this was something that we would not be able to do with our own will and strength. That is why he tells us to let the Holy Spirit guide our lives. When the Spirit comes inside of us, it will change our sinful desires and will take full control over them and lead us to live how He desires, therefore bearing the fruits of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is within us, we will be guided but to produce the spiritual fruits even if we do not desire to. There is a very clear way of telling whether we follow the desires of our own sinful natures or of the Holy Spirit. Within your lives and within your relationships with others, what kinds of fruits are you producing? Are you bearing the fruits of the Spirit? There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves. Where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. Your presence, Lord.
face and feel the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. Coming up next is a sermon by Pastor Mark Martin of Calvary Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. Today's topic is Test the Spirits, Part 2, based on the scriptures of 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 through 6. I hope you have a blessed time as you join Pastor Mark Martin. When one of us is soaring in Christ, the rest of us are lifted up too. So self-edification is fine. But when we're all gathered together as a body, what I'm always thinking about is what's the most important thing for everybody. What is for your comfort? What is for your edification? What is for the flock's best good? And we always do what's the best for everyone, not just what's the best for one person. Always, that's what you think about when you come together. What's going to bless? And see, the world's mentality, gang, is we come together to get what we can get for ourselves, huh? In fact, you'll probably sell more of something if you talk about what it will do for someone rather than if you get this, this is what it can do for others. Right? You're going to, all the advertisements, that you come to you through the internet, come to you on television, cable, all of these, they're all what this will do for you. See, because that's selfishness. But the Lord says when we come together, we're going to look to see what we can do for each other. And it's like, oh man, I always have to be reminded of that because I'm in a world that's pulling so hard the other way and the Lord's just saying, well, let me remind you of this. We're here for everybody else. And you know what always happens? When you come and you bless others, you always leave with a blessing, don't you? Have you noticed that? You'll always leave with a blessing. So New Testament prophecy is speaking for, verse 3, edification, exhortation, and what? Consolation. And you understand what those things are. It isn't a latter-day prophet who writes another book of the Bible or writes a whole other book that you have to believe in, that isn't it at all. That was Old Testament kind of stuff in the New Covenant. It doesn't work that way. In fact, can I just show you one more passage that has to do with the prophets and stuff? Look at Hebrews to the right of where we are right now. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Whenever somebody comes to me and brother so-and-so is their prophet or sister so-and-so is their prophet or they have an extra book outside of the Bible that's inspired, I always go, let's look at Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us, and the Greek tense is, it means, has spoken to us once and for all. Through who? His son, or in, or by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he made the world. 
Jesus is God's last word. There isn't anything more. There's no last day revelation. You don't need a last day prophet. You don't need any end time prophet. There isn't any prophet coming. Jesus is the final word. You understand? He, I mean, God has spoken to us once and for all. You can add that in the margin of your Bible. That's what the tense is in the Greek. Once and for all, he has spoken to us by his son. Jesus is God's final revelation. He's all we need. Amen. I've got the new covenant. I have Jesus. Now let's go back to 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, don't believe every pro- spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Well, if that's true, then we can expect in these last days to see many false prophets, and there are. And we could go on all night kind of listing them and going over their names. I don't even think that's profitable, no pun intended. Why give them any advertising? Verse 2, by this you know. Here's how you can know if somebody is speaking for the Lord. You know the Spirit of God. Read with me. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come into the flesh is from God. Read verse 3 too. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of who? The Antichrist, of which you've heard that it is coming and now is already in the world. Well, if the Antichrist spirit was in the world in the first century, believe me, the Antichrist spirit is in the world today. Many false Christs have gone out and they're deceiving many. And the Bible says in the very last days, the Antichrist himself will work signs and wonders, even making fire come down from heaven, or the false prophet will. He's the Antichrist PR man. He will deceive many people. If possible, he would even deceive God's elect of Israel in those last days. And we're not going to be here to see that, contrary to some. We're going to be with the Lord. We won't see the Antichrist. We're not going to see the false prophet, the, you know, Antichrist sidekick, the, the false prophet. But we have to be aware that in these last days, as these, the stage is set for the return of our Lord, that the world is going to be deceived because they don't have a love of the truth, Peter says. Every spirit <clears throat> that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. I don't know if you remember, when we were first starting the study of, of First John, we were talking about there were some very prevalent false teachings. And one of the false teachings was that Jesus, he was the Christ spirit. He wasn't really a man in the flesh. And, and that the Christ spirit just came upon him, upon Jesus the man, but the Christ spirit wasn't really incarnate. It didn't really become flesh. And just an odd false teaching. And so in the, in the first century, it was very important to believe that Jesus had actually come in the flesh. He was very perfectly man and was perfectly God, a, a, an, a mysterious combina- combination of God and man. And so that was the strategic test in the first century times. And then he says in verse uh, 3, and everybody who says that Jesus uh, does does not confess that Jesus is from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. No. We have to understand, go beyond the first century issue. Because you can go to Mormons today and you can say, do you believe that Jesus Christ? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you believe that he came in the flesh? And they go, yes. 
Oh, well, then you're a Christian, right? Wrong. You can go to Jehovah's Witnesses and say, do you believe Jesus Christ came in the flesh? Yes. Well, then I guess you must be Christians, right? No. And I know today it's not popular to say anybody is wrong except somebody who says someone is wrong, right? But the Bible does say there's a right and a wrong. And, and the Bible's, and, and generally, nobody wants anybody to say anybody's right or wrong until you're wronged, right? Well, well that, that might be wrong to you, but it's not wrong to me. Until somebody bonks you over the head and steals your wallet, and then that was wrong. Why? Because it affected you? You know, there is moral right and moral wrong, right? Correct? I'm sorry to keep doing that. It's... The, the point of this is, what do you think about Jesus? Who is Jesus Christ biblically? And in whatever age it is, false prophets will always have a tweaked view of Jesus. They will all somehow miss the truth about Jesus. Today, the bigger heresy is not people saying, and a heresy is a false teaching, the bigger false teaching by false prophets is not so much that Jesus didn't come in the flesh, but it's that Jesus isn't God. That's the teaching that you see Jehovah's Witnesses teaching. They say, Jesus isn't God. No, he was a God. Little G-O-D. He was Michael the archangel. He was the firstborn of God. He was created by God, but the first of all creation, but he's not really God. But we have, first, we have John 1.1. 1, 1, and see, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God with God, and the Word was God, right? Everything was created by Him. And the Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Everything was created by Him. It was not anything created that was created. So we have the clear teaching of the Scripture, which we could spend all night, really. We could spend an hour and a half looking at verse after verse after verse that teaches that Jesus Christ is God. It's very important to believe. In fact, you cannot be a Christian without believing Jesus is God. Jesus says in the Gospel of John, unless you believe that I am, you shall die in your sins. He says before Abraham was, I am. And see, that was the covenant of name of God to Israel. I am that I am. The Jews understood what he was saying and they picked up stones to try to kill him because they didn't like. He says, how can you, being a man, make yourself out to be God? Hebrews chapter 1, where we were just a minute ago, talking about how there's no new latter-day revelation given to us. Remember where we were? You just read on the next 10 verses. It tells you that Jesus was not an angel, not an angel of any kind. In fact, it says he was God. And it says, to which of the angels did he ever say, today I've begotten thee? You know, it goes on to sit at my right hand and, and uh, I've exalted you. Which of the angels did he ever say that to? And so it, it makes the argument that Jesus is not an exalted angel. He is God the Son. So I would say the false teaching today that is the most prevalent are the people who say Jesus isn't God. Or their Jesus is tweaked somehow with all respect. Respecting Mormon people as individuals who are sincere in their beliefs, but they're sincerely wrong. They believe that Jesus is the half-brother of Satan. 
the half-brother of Lucifer. This is Mormon doctrine. And they don't tell you that when they come knocking at your door. But wait a minute. That isn't the Jesus of the Bible, is it? Not on your life. Well, that's why you need a book outside the Bible. Their Jesus was born, they'll tell you, not in Bethlehem, but in Jerusalem. Their Jesus had multiple wives and children by them. Not the Jesus of my Bible and your New Testament. But you see, this is where we have to say, well, we can use the name and even use Christian terms, but not have a biblical definition of that term. You understand what I'm saying? And so you don't want to be deceived. And there'll be people on TV, on the radio, on the internet. They'll stream their services sometimes. And their definitions of things, they sound Christian. Come to church. Come to worship with us. Come understand the inspiration of the Bible. But they'll use these terms. But we believe in salvation. But salvation doesn't equal salvation by grace through faith. Everybody's saved for a certain level, they'll say. You know, there's all these weird things. So you've got to be careful, gang. You've got to be very wise and discerning in the last days because many false prophets. It would have been nice if he would have said a few false prophets will go out. But instead, he's got to use that big word. Many false prophets will arise and have gone out. Now, he goes on to say, because we're all listening to this and we're going, oh, my land, how, I don't, I don't know as much as, as somebody who's studied the word for, how am I going to be protected from this? Verse four, you are from God, little children. Here is, remember, John is in his 90s when he's writing this, so here's this sweet great-grandpa of a guy knowing that we're like, oh, you've scared me to death. And he's calming us now. He says, you just hear him. Can you hear his old grandpa voice? You are of God, little children. I love it. And have overcome them. Because, read with me, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Who is he who is in the world in this context? False prophets, the Antichrist, false teaching, those who want to try to deceive us and pull us into their webs. I could share with you the testimony of hundreds of people who have been deceived by false teaching and false religion and in different various cults. And it's terrible how their lives get messed up. And he's saying, now, you have overcome all that why? Because you clearly know who Jesus is and you're never going to let go of that, are you? You will never believe them when they say Jesus isn't God. He's just a God. You'll never buy into that. You'll never buy into them when they say, well, God, God isn't the Trinity. You will never buy into that because the Bible shows us that God is Father, He is Spirit, and He is Son. He's, God is triune in His nature. And though we can't totally understand it, it's in the scripture. You'll never buy into, will you, that salvation is bought by your works. I mean, we're just too honest around here. We know that there's nothing we could do to earn our salvation, right? And so no matter how slick the publications look, 
no matter how convincing they try to make, well, if you're really a Christian, you'll worship on this day. If you're really a Christian, you'll follow God's final society. You'll just, there will be in you something inside of you that says, whoa, whoa, whoa. If you're really a child of God, there's gonna be breaks that the Holy Spirit applies. And you'll get, I call it a check in my spirit. A pause, a, a break in my spirit. Sometimes I'll be listening to somebody and I think, I don't know. And I haven't even heard more than just a paragraph of what they're saying, but I'll think there's something wrong here. And then you find out at the end of the program, it's some cultic group. And I think, it happened on the radio just, just the other day. I was in the car and we were listening and my whole family was listening. I said, this is such and such. You know, I, they said, no, yeah, this sounds good. I said, no, there's something wrong here. I know there's something wrong here. It might be discerning of spirits. That's one of the manifestations of the spirit that the Holy Spirit gives to us. And I just had this check in my spirit. And sure enough, at the end of the program, yeah, 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 yada, 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 this is who they were. And it was a cult. My kids are, how did you know that? <laughs> so I just can taste it almost. When you feel something, a check in your spirit, listen to the Lord. I was reading a letter today. Today was my catch-up with correspondence day, you know, like all this stuff to answer. And somebody was writing, you know, I'm studying with these people, this cultic group, I'm studying with them, and I just don't feel right. I feel like this seems right, but there's something that just doesn't seem to settle with me. And I wrote them this very thing that I'm talking to you. About, I said, you know, you know, this is probably the Holy Spirit just checking you, putting the brakes on in your life because you just need to know a little bit more information. Here you go. And I gave them some information. If they don't have Jesus right, if they have books outside of the Bible, if they think they're God's only true church and nobody else is going to heaven but them, go running and screaming away. Now, you don't have to worry, you know, like, oh, I'm just, will I be just dragged away? Paul, or John says, don't worry. He says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. What a great promise for the kind of world we live in. Verse five, they are from the world. Therefore, they speak as from the world and what? They have great success. They'll be the fastest growing movements. They'll be the fastest numbers growing. They'll be, this thing will spread fast. You know, the work of the Holy Spirit is not to market the gospel. The Holy Spirit doesn't need marketing strategies. He doesn't need the help of Wall Street or the help of production companies. The Holy Spirit has really done a pretty good job. You know, the day of Pentecost was kind of, cool, wasn't it? And the Holy Spirit knew exactly what to do and he doesn't need the help of the world. So he says, you know, they speak to the world, the world listens, it's comfy, it's cozy and we can kind of relate and understand that kind of stuff that happens too today. But we are from who? Who? 
God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God doesn't listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Ever learning but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Learning a lot but never able to. And so you have to understand that if they listen to the word of God, they're from us. If they won't listen to God's word, then you can talk at the door with them till you're blue in the face and you're just wasting your time. Now John in 2 John is gonna have a lot to say about how we would handle somebody that maybe comes to our door. How, what do we say? What do we do? And uh, we'll look at that in a few weeks. But now little children, God's precious flock, greater is he that is where? In us than he that is in the world. And we celebrate that, Lord Jesus. We thank you for that. We thank you for your word that is just so simple. And we thank you that everything boils down to what we think about you. Knowing you as our loving, grace-filled Savior. Lord, inoculate us with the truth. That way we don't have to understand every weird spiritual virus that comes along. We don't have to become an expert in spiritual disease. We just don't catch it because you've inoculated us with the truth. i
You are listening to Unity in Christ, the English hour in our broadcast program. Here at Heart and Soul Gospel Ministries, we strive to connect our listeners to engage with a community of believers as one body under Christ. Since 2000, we have dedicated our lives to make disciples of all nations through radio broadcasting. We are always encouraged to hear from you, so if you have any comments or testimonies that you would like to share, please feel free to email us at askhsgm at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Heart and Soul Podcast on iTunes for weekly sermons. To learn more, visit heartandsoul.org. There are people who gave up their lives in honor of Christ who gave us our everlasting life. Continued is a story of the many people who endured their life with faith, titled The Voice of the Martyrs. Hello listeners, this is Rhonda Walker with The Voice of the Martyrs. We define prize as a certificate, money, or some other valuable item that is given as a means of complement to outstanding achievements or good works. There are a lot of different prizes, from small prizes like those given in kindergarten to awards of greater honor such as Olympic medals. Many people invest a lot of effort to earn these prizes. There are people who restlessly study and those who practice continually to master their skills. Some people develop an obsession for prizes and some people don't. But whether they are obsessed about a prize or not, when they receive the prize, most people are delighted. In fact, when we look around carefully, we can easily see people who are trying to get a prize. Athletes, musicians, ballerinas, gymnasts, and even students who study all night long to receive honor roll or principal list recognition. When we look closely at these people, we can see that they are putting in an enormous amount of effort to achieve their goals. Sometimes they would not sleep or adjust what and how much food they are eating. They persist, not sleeping when they want to sleep, giving up things they like to eat, and eating things that they don't enjoy, still persisting even when their hands hurt or their legs ache. They strive to overcome such pain. The only reason they endure such training and pain that comes with it is to receive the prize. The prize isn't just another trophy or medal. There is a greater significance than the trophy or the medal. That is what they are striving for. There may be some of you who are striving to receive a prize, and there may be others of you who really aren't interested in prizes. However, as Christians, there is a prize that we should all be interested in, the prize that we will soon receive in heaven. Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to render to every man according to what he has done. Just as Revelation 22.12 says, Jesus has a prize with him for each of us, and he promises to give us this reward. Hebrews 11.6 also tells us 
that we need to believe that God is a rewarder, and without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. If we are Christian, there should be a hunger within us for this prize that we will receive from Christ. It is because this prize is the assessment of our life on earth after we have received life from the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. About 110 years after Jesus came down to earth and was ascended back to heaven, there was a Christian philosopher and apologist by the Latin name Eustinus, better known as Justin Martyr. He was a Christian who was born around the year 100 A.D. and was martyred in 165 A.D. Justin Martyr is regarded as the first ideologist since the Apostle Paul, having identified the common elements of Christianity and comprehensively expounded the cultural history of humanity within Christ. Today, we will listen to Justin Martyr's story, that the world could not silence. I enjoy debating philosophy with people because at the center of philosophy, God is there. Whenever I debate with philosophers, I like ending it by proving the existence of God in His Son, Jesus Christ. Recently here in Rome, I had a debate in front of a group of people with Crescens, who is a philosopher of the school of cynicism started by Antisthenes, student of Socrates. Crescens was from a school of thought where they ignored social culture and etiquette, desiring a life that is in agreement with nature. Their name cynics is derived from the Greek word kinikos, meaning dog-like, as they consider themselves living freely like dogs on the fields. From the debate with Crescens, I testified Christ. After he lost the debate with me, he must have been pretty angry for being embarrassed in front of people. He filed charges against me to the Roman governor, the reason being that I do not believe in Roman idols. That is why I was tried by Prefect Rusticus. At the court today with six other Christian brothers and sisters of mine, The prefect commanded me to sacrifice to Roman gods, so I said this to him. There is no one who with a right mind would give up their faith for unbelief. And now he is threatening to torture us and behead us if we don't obey him. I think I need to say something now on behalf of my brothers. Our desire is to be tortured for our Lord Jesus Christ because we know that this suffering will give us salvation and joy when God's terrifying judgment comes upon all the people of the world. Justin Martyr and six other companions were mercilessly whipped that day as Rusticus warned them, and then they were beheaded but they were not afraid at all. Instead, facing and enduring that suffering by professing their faith with joy. 
Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. As Matthew 5 verses 11 and 12 say, we can endure persecution in this world, looking forward to the prize we will receive in heaven. People in the world sacrifice their freedom and welcome painful training with joy just to obtain the prizes of this world that will rot and perish. As Christians, we are able to endure even greater pain to receive the eternal reward of heaven, which does not perish. So when the day comes when you are facing suffering and pain, do not think of this world. Look at the great reward of heaven. Our Lord himself tells us that our reward in heaven is our blessing, and it is something for us to rejoice and be glad about. The world is no longer worthy of those who have such joy. We will conclude this episode of The Voice of the Martyrs.
It is not hard to decipher whether my faith is rightfully following the ways of God, or whether I am following my own instincts and my own sinful natures. No matter how much we may know about the Word, or no matter how many number of times we may attend worship and church services, if there is no spiritual fruit being produced within my life, within the relationships I have with others, then this would be a good time for us to look back and reflect upon ourselves. Let us examine our hearts to see whether the Holy Spirit is within us, if we are following His guidance and wholeheartedly relying on Him. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. These are the very scriptures of Galatians chapter 5, verse 22-26. through 26. We may not even be able to dream about producing these spiritual fruits. However, if we are captivated by the Holy Spirit and allow Him to guide our lives, I truly believe we will bear the fruits not of our sinful natures, but of the Holy Spirit. I hope that we may all read the Word and use it to examine our faith and that our lives may be overflowing with spiritual fruits. We will now wrap up Unity in Christ. Thank you for listening as it has been my pleasure. I hope to see you this time again next week, and God bless. On that day when I see all that you have for me, when I see you face to face, they're surrounded by your grace, all my fears swept away in the light of your embrace. When you
Sociedad. 